Vienna. Strange and unusual stories from history, literature, myths, and legends. From the Smithsonian Institution Bureau of Ethnology, 6th Annual Report, The Central Eskimo, by Dr. Franz Boas. The Fugitive Women Once there were two women who were with a child, and they quarreled with their husbands. They fled from their families and friends to live by themselves. After they traveled a long distance, they came to a place where they resolved to stay. It was summer when they arrived. They found plenty of sod and turf and large whale ribs bleaching on the beach. They erected a firm structure of bone and filled the interstices with sod and turf. Thus, they had a good house to live in. In order to obtain skins, they made traps in which they caught foxes in sufficient numbers for their dresses. Sometimes they found carcasses of ground seals or of whales which had drifted to the shore, of which they ate the meat and burnt the blubber. There was also a deep and narrow deer pass near the hut. Across this they stretched a rope, and when the deer passed by they became entangled in it and strangled themselves. Besides, there was a salmon creek near the house, and this likewise furnished them with an abundance of food. In winter their fathers came in search of their lost daughters. When they saw the sledge coming, they began to cry, as they were unwilling to return to their husbands. The men, however, were glad to find them comfortable. Then, having stayed two nights at their daughter's house, they returned home, where they told the strange story that two women, without the company of any men at all, lived by themselves and were never in want. Though this happened a long time ago, the house may still be seen, and therefore the place is called the Large House. Eskimo Folk Tales by Knud Rasmussen, Imarasugswak, who ate his wives. It is said that the great Imarasugswak was wont to eat his wives. He'd fatten them up, giving them nothing but salmon to eat and nothing at all to drink. Once, when he had just lost his wife in the usual way, he took to wife the sister of many brothers, and her name was Masana. And after having taken her to wife, he began fattening her up as usual. One day, her husband was out in his kayak, and she had grown so fat that she could hardly move, but now she managed with difficulty to tumble down from the bench to the floor, crawl to the entrance, drop down into the passageway, and began licking the snow which had drifted in. She licked and licked at it, and at last she began to feel herself lighter and better able to move. And in this way, she afterwards went out and licked up snow whenever her husband was out in his kayak, and at last, she was once more quite able to move about. One day, when her husband was out in his kayak as usual, she took her breeches and tunic and stuffed them out until the thing looked like a real human being. And then she said to them, when my husband comes and tells you to come out, answer him with these words. I cannot move because I am grown so fat. And when he comes in and harpoons you, remember then to shriek as if in pain. And after she had said these words, she began digging a hole in the back of the house, and when it was big enough, she crept in. 
Ymir Sugswak came home, saying, Bring up the birds I have cut. But the dummy answered, I can no longer move, for I am grown so fat. Now the dummy was sitting behind the lamp, and the husband coming in harpooned that dummy wife with his great bird's spear, and the thing shrieked as if in pain and fell down. And when he looked closer, there was no blood to be seen, nothing but some stuffed-out clothes. And where was his wife? And now he began to search for her. And as soon as he had gone out, she crept forth from her hiding place and took to flight. And while she was thus making her escape, her husband came after her. And seeing that he came nearer and nearer at last, she said, Now I remember, my amulet is a piece of wood. And hardly had she said these words when she was changed into a piece of wood. And her husband could not find her. He looked about as hard as ever he could, but could see nothing beyond the piece of wood anywhere. And he stabbed that once or twice with his knife, but she felt no more than a little stinging pain. Then he went back home to fetch his axe. And then, as soon as he was out of sight, she changed back into a woman again and fled away to her brothers. When she came to their house, she hid herself behind the skin hangings. And after she had placed herself there, her husband was heard approaching, weeping because he had lost his wife. He stayed there with them, and in the evening, the brothers began singing songs in mockery of him. Turning towards him also, they said, Men say that Imarasugswak eats his wives. Who has said that? Missana has said that. I said it, and I ran away because you tried to kill me, said she from behind the hangings. And then the many brothers fell upon Imarasugswak and held him fast that his wife might kill him. She took her knife, but each time she tried to strike, the knife only grazed his skin, for her fingers lost their power. And she was still standing there, trying in vain to stab him, when they saw that he was already dead. Here ends the story. The Story of the Great Bear, as told by the Inuit of Greenland, from Eskimo Folktales, by Knud Rasmussen. A woman ran away from her home because her child had died. On her way, she came to a house. In the passageway, there lay skins of bears, and she went in. And now it was revealed that the people who lived in there were bears in human form. Yet for all that, she stayed with them. One big bear used to go out hunting to find food for them. It would put on its skin and go out and stay away for a long time and always return with some catch or other. One day the woman who had run away began to feel homesick and greatly desired to see her kin. And then the bear spoke to her thus, Do not speak of us when you return to men, it said, for it was afraid lest its two cubs should be killed by the men. Then the woman went home, and there she felt a great desire to tell what she had seen. One day, as she sat with her husband in the house, she said to him, I have seen bears. And now many sledges drove out, and when the bear saw them coming towards its house, it felt so sorry for its cubs that it bit them to death, that they might not fall into the hands of men. But then it dashed out to find the woman who had betrayed it, and broke into her house, and bit her to death. But when it came out, the dogs closed round it and fell upon it, 
the bear struck out at them, but suddenly all of them became wonderfully bright and rose up to the sky in the form of stars. And it is these which we call Kulagutusat, the stars which look like barking dogs about a bear. Since then, men have learned to beware of bears, for they hear what men say. The Ghost Who Came Out of His Grave as a Fire and Tickled His Wife and Child to Death from Intellectual Culture of the Igluklik Eskimo by Knud Rasmussen. There was once a woman who had lost her husband. When a year had passed since his death, the woman drove out with her two sons, a half-grown youth and a little boy, to visit her husband's grave. It was evening by the time they reached the grave, and therefore they built a snow hut close by. While the woman and the older son were building the hut, they had laid the little boy down among some skins, and Sue noticed that the child was laughing uncontrollably. Then the woman spoke and said, It is the child's father, trying to tickle him to death. He will also try to tickle us to death. Make haste, harness your dogs, let us hurry away. The young man did so, and the ghost came as a fire, as a flame out of the grave. And when it had tickled the little child to death, it fell upon the woman also and killed her in the same way. After that, it set off as a flaming fire in chase of the son who was driving away and appeared suddenly on the sledge, flaming like a torch. But the young man struck at the fire with a shaft of his whip, and every time he did so, the flame drew back a little. All the way home, he fought with the flame until he reached his dwelling unharmed. All the neighbors were just then assembled in the feasting house, and he dashed in there and told them what had happened, and that his father's ghost pursued him in the shape of a fire. There was a shaman present, and he charmed the fire away. He destroyed it, and thus saved the young man's life. Told by Inuk Basukjok of the Netsalim Miyar. From the Smithsonian Institution Bureau of Ethnology 18th Annual Report, The Eskimo About Bering Strait by Edward William Nelson. The Fireball from Sledge Island. In the village of Kunigun in the Cape Prince of Wales area, very long ago there lived a poor orphan boy who had no one to care for him and he was treated badly by everyone being made to run here and there at the bidding of the villagers. One evening, he was told to go out of the Kashem and see how the weather was. He had no skin boots, and being winter, he didn't want to go, but he was driven out. Very soon, he came back and said there was no change to the weather. After this, the men kept sending him out on the same errand, until at last he came back and told them that he had seen a great ball of fire like the moon coming over the hill, not far away. The people laughed at him and made him go out again when he saw that the fire had come nearer until it was quite close. Then the orphan boy ran inside telling what he had seen and hid himself because he was frightened. 
Soon after this, the people in the Kashim saw a fiery figure dancing on the goatskin which covered the roof hole. And directly after, a human skeleton came crawling into the room through the passageway, creeping on its knees and elbows. When it came into the room, the skeleton made a motion towards the people, causing all of them to fall upon their knees and elbows in the same position taken by the skeleton. Then, turning about, it crawled out as it had come, followed by the people who were forced to go after it. Outside, the skeleton crept away from the village, followed by all the men. In a short time, every one of them was dead, and the skeleton had vanished. Some of the people who were absent when the skeleton or Tungok had attacked returned to the village and found dead people lying on the ground everywhere. Entering the Kashim, they found the orphan boy who told them how the people had been killed. After this, they followed the tracks of the Tungok through the snow and were led up to the side of the mountain until they came to a very ancient grave where the tracks ended. In a few days, the brother of one of the men who had been killed went fishing upon the sea ice far from the village. He stayed late and it became dark while he was still a long way from home. As he was walking back, the Tungok suddenly appeared before him and began to cross back and forth in his path. The young man tried to pass it and escape but could not, as the Tungok kept in front of him, no matter what he did. As he could think of nothing else, he picked up a fish from his basket and threw it at the Tungok. When he had thrown the fish, it was frozen solid. When it hit the Tungok, it became alive again. Then the fisherman pulled off one of his dog-skin mittens and threw it. As it fell near the Tungok, the mitten changed into a dog which ran growling and snarling about the apparition, distracting his attention so that the young man was able to dart by and run as fast as he could towards the village. When he had gone part of the way, he was again stopped by the Tungok. He then threw his other mitten, and it too changed into a dog, delaying the Tungok as the first one had done, and allowing the young man to slip by and escape. The young man ran off as fast as he could and fell exhausted near the Kashim door as the Tungok came up. The latter passed very near without seeing him and went into the house, but finding no one there, came out and went away. While he had been hiding, the young man had heard a voice in his head say, Untie his feet, they are bound with cord. But he had been too afraid to do anything. The following day, he went fishing again, and on his way, came to a man lying in the path, whose face and hands were black. When he drew near, the black man told him to get on his back and close his eyes. He obeyed, and in a short time was told to open his eyes. When the young man did this, he saw just before him a house, and near it a fine young woman. She spoke to him, saying, why did you not do as I told you the other night, when the Tungok pursued you? And he replied that he had been too afraid to do it. The woman then gave him a magic stone as an amulet to protect him from the Tungok in the future. And the black man again took him on his back, and when he opened his eyes, he was at home 
After this, the young man claimed to be a shaman, but he thought continually of the beautiful young woman he had seen, so that he did not have much power. At last, his father said to him, You are no shaman. You will make me ashamed of you. Go somewhere else. The next morning, the young man left the village at daybreak and was never heard of again. Smithsonian Institution Bureau of Ethnology, 6th Annual Report, The Central Eskimo, by Dr. Franz Boas. The Woman and the Spirit of the Singing House. Once a woman entered the singing house when it was quite dark. For a long time she had wished to see the spirit of the house, and though the Inuit had warned her of the impending danger, she had insisted upon her undertaking. She summoned the spirit, saying, if you are in the house, come here. As she could not see him, she cried, No spirit is here, he will not come. But the spirit, though yet invisible, said, Here I am, there I am. Then the woman asked, Where are your feet? Where are your shins? Where are your thighs? Where are your hips? Where are your loins? Every time the spirit answered, Here they are. There they are. And she asked further, Where's your belly? Here it is, answered the spirit. Where's your breast? Where are your shoulders? Where's your neck? Where's your head? Here it is. There it is. But in touching the head, the woman all of a sudden fell dead. It had no bones and no hair. All music, music production, and audio production by Bob Familiar. Narration by Jim Bilbro. This has been Ambient Arcana. Ambient Arcana.